0: The sniffles, bronchitis, and the flu can totally bring you down, especially this time of year. It just sucks the energy right out of you. But even if we get something at the pharmacy that kind of heals the symptoms, we can still feel unwell. It's those deeper ailments weighing us down that feel so incurable. But have faith. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So how will you respond to the healing? That's today on the podcast. Hey, it's Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thank you so much for listening in to our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope this podcast blesses you and we hope that you feel free to share it with someone that you know so that they'll feel blessed too. Do you ever notice that joy and gratitude go hand in hand and a little bit of both go a long way? Today, Pastor Jason talks about how Jesus heals leprosy, an incurable disease at the time, but how a response of joy and gratitude actually made them well. Let's check it out right now.
1: We Christians should be the most thankful people on the planet because of what God has done for us. Years ago, when I was uh, a mere high school version of myself, which was a very interesting version of me. I, uh, I went with my best friend to Shea Stadium to go see the Rolling Stones Steel Wheels Tour. Oh yeah, this was this was big time. So we get to the, the stadium and, you know, the Stones are supposed to go on at like 8 o'clock or something. The opening act is done, which by the way was living color. So come on, Vernon Reed. Come on, that's so good. So... You just wait for, the, for that, for the whole opening act. So then, uh, then everything goes dark, and, you know, we're waiting for the stones to come out. And speaking of stones, there were a lot of uh, baby boomers around us. Not that I know what weed smells like, but dang. <laughs> I may or may not have been offered uh, something to smoke by a bunch of 40-year-olds that were sitting next to us as a 16-year-old. Thank you. Thank you for playing. Anyway. We're getting ready for the Stones to come out. And you know what happens when you go to these concerts? It's like it's all dark. They have music coming on the PA system and you're kind of getting excited. And then you look at your watch and it's like, you know, it's 820 and they're still not out here. What is going on? And then some sound person hits the kick drum a couple of times. And they're like, oh, 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 are they coming out? Are they coming out? No, false alarm. Of course, this is what they do to you every time you go to a concert because they want to build anticipation. And then all of a sudden, you know, the lights are dark, dark, and you hear out of nowhere, if you stop me up, if you stop me up, i never stop, never stop, never stop. Right? Mick Jagger comes out, and the place goes crazy. If you stop me up, right? We were ready. We were ready for that because we, that anticipation had been building and building and building, and that was to see the Rolling Stones. Who At the time, I thought, we're so old, and they were like, 45 which is so young right but then i think about the fact that we come here every week to come into the presence of almighty god think about that for a minute we actually can enter into god's presence and for most of us it looks something like this our joy our joy is it doesn't seem we're quite jacked up enough To get into the presence of God. We come into Almighty God's presence. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because, maybe it's because we in in America, we have the blessing of freedom. Which means we can worship, we can gather anytime we well please. And maybe what's happened to church in America is that we have become so accustomed to be able to enter God's presence together anytime we want. That we completely take it for granted. The yeah buts start to rob us of the joy of entering God's presence. We don't have that kind of anticipation and excitement. Like John hits the kick drum and everyone starts to go crazy because we're about to enter into the presence of Almighty God in our worship together. And what do I mean by the yeah buts? Well, there are a lot of yeah buts that steal our joy. We walk into here and you're like, yeah, I'd be a lot more joyful But things aren't going well at work. Yeah, but things aren't going well in my marriage. Yeah, but things aren't going well in my finances. Yeah, but things aren't going well with my health. Yeah, but I've been coming to church 50 years and I have never felt like I've been in the presence of God. What's different about today? Yeah, but I was, you don't understand, Pastor, I was out so late. And I'm just not feeling it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but. What happens is, we stack up those yeah buts, and it robs us of the joy and the power of worshiping God together. I feel like if the stones can get that kind of reaction, we should be able to get our hearts full of joy, full of thanks, overflowing. So that by the time we get to church, we just cannot wait to see what God is going to speak right into our hearts. Back in the times of ancient Israel, there li- literally was a hymn book that they used, and that was the Psalms. One section of the hymn book was all about going into the presence of God. Here's Psalm 100: "Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is good. Uh, the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture." Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness faithfulness continues through all generations. We should be absolutely jacked up to come in to the presence of God. We should be ready, anticipating that he's going to show up and he's going to transform us from the inside out. But the yeah buts have made us feel like our lives aren't quite what they could be. I'd be a lot more happier if I got that, got more money. I got more something. I got, you know, pick whatever your issue is. Like that would mean I would be happy if that would happen. And so there's always something out there. And so you kind of let yourself never be joyful. We talked a lot about this in our Facebook group, didn't we? those who did the 20 days of thanks. We talked about this over and over again. About the difference that gratitude makes in your everyday life. But it's hard to give thanks when you're feeling like your cup is half empty. It really is. It's hard to feel that excitement, that joy, that anticipation when you're feeling like that. There's a great moment where Jesus heals some folks who are sick. And I want to walk through that verse with you because I think in here lies the secret to the joy-filled, thankful life. We go to Luke chapter 17. We're going to read verses 11 through 19, but we're going to kind of walk through them like a little journey. We're going to go slowly through these verses. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. That's the first thing to notice. Because if you look at a map on the left, the quickest way to make that journey is just to go a straight line from Galilee down to Jerusalem. But that's not the way that they go, not because Jesus didn't know the way. He travels along the outside. Why? Because Samaritans and Jews were enemies. And so he and his disciples would have gone around on the border of Samaria. This is important because it puts him in contact with some people. ...that he otherwise might not have been in contact with. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. So, leprosy back then, it was, you know, leprosy... ...but also kind of a category of different skin conditions... ...that would have made you ceremonially unclean. You would have been put in this category of leper. And the reason why it matters that Jesus is walking around the border of Samaria... ...is because... If uh, leper colonies or leper villages were cast out of society so that they were on the fringe of your border, they would have been a border people because they were not allowed to participate in society because of their uncleanliness. And can you imagine not just the physical pain, but the emotional pain of losing everything and being told you have to move out and you have to live. You can't participate in life anymore with the rest of these people. It also brought them in the lepers in close proximity with Israelites, with Jews, and with stories about Jesus. So they had some familiarity when he showed up. They knew who he was. They stood at a distance, because that would have been custom, because they were lepers, and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So what, what do we know already? That they know who Jesus is. They know that he heals. There are stories of him healing others. And when they say Jesus, Master, it's not because they believe he's the Son of God. It just, it's a term of respect and submission. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. Why would he say that? Well... For lepers, the only way you could be declared clean is for a priest to say so. So they could rejoin society. But I find it interesting that Jesus didn't say, okay, you are healed. Or didn't do that thing with the mud and his spit. Like do something else. All he simply says is go. Go and show yourselves to the priest. The healing hadn't even happened yet. But it showed that these lepers had enough faith in Jesus, or maybe they were just out of options, willing to try anything, like I know happens when people get sick, is they decided that they were going to go and do exactly as Jesus said. They had enough faith on some level to go to the priests. And then it says, and as they went, they were cleansed. Can you imagine that for a minute? You are on the outside of society. You have lost everything because of the leprosy that has ravaged your body. And all of a sudden, it's like you won the lottery. Everything is made clean. You get to go back with the people that you love. You get to rejoin your life. Unexpectedly, and all of a sudden. I think they go from like cup half empty to cup overflowing, totally full. Like I can't even imagine The joy that they must have experienced in that moment. Here's how they responded. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. I love that that was pointed out. You see, the Jews and the Samaritans didn't like each other. And uh, they often were the butt of each other's jokes. Or they were always made to be the villain in the story. And Jesus broke all that down. Because first of all, he was now healing Samaritans. But even sometimes making them the hero of the parables that he taught. Like the parable of the good Samaritan. He was showing that there are no limits to the grace and healing of God. Your ethnicity does not matter. Faith is the thing that matters. Jesus asked a tough question next. Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to them, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I tell you, I have puzzled over this passage for years. Because Jesus seems to be telling us something that's very nuanced. It's in between the lines. It's not so much as what he says, but what he's not saying. What he's implying. And the implication is this. That there seems to be a difference between being cleansed and being made well. Both required faith. But there's something else going on here. In fact... When I looked at the Greek, uh, they're different verbs. He's not saying the same thing twice. He's saying something uniquely different. And I think it's in between the lines here that gets at the root of what it means to live a life of joy. There's an interesting point that Jesus is making. They were cleansed. And then your faith has made you well. Both received the healing and both required faith. What was the difference? The difference was in the people who received it. Here's what I mean. So when I was a kid, at Christmas, uh, you know, just like kids, you're tearing through the presents, all excited. I used to love getting presents from grandma. Grandmas are the best. Grandparents are the best because they give you stuff that your parents would never give you. Remember, they gave my brother, my eight-year-old brother, like a survival knife, like a Rambo-style survival knife. Like, what are you doing? What a bad idea. We immediately took it from them. Anyway, but every once in a while, so we got excited about, about grandma and grandpa's gifts. But occasionally they'd throw in, you know, something that was sort of a dud, like socks. And, you know, so i you know open the presents, you get through them all, and then you open the socks. And it'd be like, uh, like that scene in a Christmas story where you open the socks. You know. <laughs> Unless they were in the room, like, oh, thank you for these socks. They're glorious. Like, totally did not appreciate the socks. However, if I got socks today, I'd be like, yes. Especially if they're like the wool socks, you know, like the real comfy, like those brand new feeling socks. You just don't get that feeling again after they've been washed. So, I mean, you just you put those babies on, it's like, yes, thank you, God, I love these socks. Same exact gift. Same exact gift. Totally different outcome. Why? all had to do with me. My appreciation of the gift changed the quality of my life in the moment. I went from not appreciating and not caring, and therefore not joyful about it, to appreciating, caring, and being joyful about it. That changed everything. It gave me, it would give me joy as opposed to not caring. What if there were a spiritual version of this? I think about the lepers that they all received the gift. But one came back and gave thanks. And what happened? It changed his joy. I'm not saying the lepers weren't full of joy. We don't know the end of their story. But I do know it was different for the one that came back who praised in a loud voice to God. Thank you. Who got before him and said thank you so much. And he says, aha, your faith. That thing, not on the outside, not what he did for you on the outside that cleansed you. Something happened and you got cleansed on the inside. Your faith has made you well. I think it's possible to experience the cleansing of Jesus Christ and to not be well. What do I mean? I think you could be a Christian and your sins can be forgiven and you could still be a miserable person and you don't live any joy in this life. You know, that's the thing. A lot of people become Christians because they're so worried about the hereafter. I get it. Want to make sure I'm good. But God also gave us this life to live on purpose. He wants us to experience the kind of joy like that leper that returned to Jesus. He wants us to experience that kind of joy. And yes, you could still be, uh, I'll see you in heaven one day, and you could not enjoy this life today. Some Christians have a deficit of thanks. Something's just not quite right. I think I'll uh, give you an example of this. My father, so uh, you, you know my story. Many of you know my story. Mother, birth father, stepfather. All three have passed. Stepfa- uh, birth father passed this last march of a drug overdose. Um, and he, in his last couple of years, had become a Christian. Uh, he believed in Jesus Christ. And he would watch TV preachers. Like, that was his thing. He'd watch TV. That's how he uh, got fed. And he had a Bible, and he would mark up his Bible. And every once in a while, he'd call me, and he'd excitedly tell me about something that, you know, Joel Osteen said or somebody somebody else said. And and we'd talk about it a little bit. And that was really kind of like the most we would talk about stuff because he was so miserable to be around. He had no joy of the gospel in his everyday life. And I think it's because he didn't have gratitude for his life. His life was a great big disappointment for him. Things didn't work out the way that he wanted. And that robbed him of his joy. That was his yeah but. Yeah but if I just had everything perfect in my family. If I just had the career that I wanted. Well then I'd be thankful. And it ruined him. That's why he turned to drugs. He was looking for joy. And that pursuit killed him. And he lost more than his life. He lost his living. He lost the joy of living this life in Jesus' name. Then I think about my mom. My mom, she died very young. She died of cancer. But she was so full of joy. She came to know Jesus and she somehow would find a way to have joy no matter what. And it wasn't put on or fake because you just can't do that for very long especially if you're suffering. I remember it was in the last couple weeks of her life, she's in a hospital bed in my aunt and uncle's house, and she said, uh, she asked my sister, she says, is it hot in here? And my sister said, no mom, no. And my mom said, oh it must be from all the running around I've been doing. My mom was cracking jokes and being joyful. Why? Because she had gratitude for every single minute she had on this earth. And that's the secret. It's not circumstances. You can have a cup overflowing, a cup overflowing life of gratitude and joy no matter what your circumstance. And I think that's what God wants for us. He wants us to be made well. Yes, we've been cleansed, but he wants us to be made well. He wants us to live with this gratitude and joy and thanks because he wants you to share this joy and thanks with the world around you, with a world that is perishing before your eyes. And so, yes, we should come to church. We should be excited about what God's going to do because he's going to show up. We should be excited about the people that he's going to make us become. We should be excited about the joy that he has planted in our hearts because of what he did on the cross. Overflowing Christians live life with more joy, excitement, and peace because of gratitude. They are made well by their faith. So, what about you? Are you well? It's okay. There are a lot of pressures in this life, a lot of things that steal our joy. So, I love that first song. Ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. It's okay to be where you are, but I don't think God wants to leave you there. I think He wants something better for you. He wants to take you into a life that you've been desiring anyway a life of joy and thanks, regardless of your circumstance. And so I don't know what's going to get you there. Maybe it's serving, signing up for our many mission opportunities, a way to kind of get outside of your own head and to serve somebody else. Maybe that will increase your sense of gratitude. Or maybe it's just making that a, a prayer during this season of your life that, that you're thanking God. You're not just going through the laundry list of the yeah buts, of the things that you want God to change. No, you're thanking God for what he's already done and for what you have. Whatever it is for you and for me, I pray that we all get well soon. Amen.